Welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. We're your hosts, Lauren and Adam. On this podcast, we help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of our traditional ways of thinking and have deconstructed the religious lenses we once saw the world through. From being in the CCM industry and purity culture to sex positivity and sacred sovereignty, it's been quite the ride. We bring on a wide variety of guests to hear their story and break down topics like religious trauma, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like spirituality, equality, and love. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. everyone and welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Tara Tang. She is an embodiment coach who works in the intersections of spirituality and sexuality. She helps people find their way back to their bodies, overcome shame, and dismantle purity culture in a way that is in alignment with their values and beliefs so that they can build a healthy sexual ethic and thrive in freedom and wholeness. Tara, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So excited to have you, especially because I'll be seeing you in October. So this is just like a (laughs) girl's trip, girl's trip, girl's trip. So excited about it. The yeah, our group chat anytime like there's something happening, I just get really like re excited for October. I think Mm. the guys tried to put something together, but I'm pretty sure it's failing. (laughs) (laughs) We're We're not so good at the trip planning thing on our end. Yeah, well, we'll see if it happens. But uh, anyway, we're really excited to have you. And um, yeah, so first, I just kind of want to ask just from your bio, you talk about the spirituality and sexuality. And from mm-hmm. your your perspective, I want to hear from you. You know, everybody has their own interpretation of, you know, how those two are intertwined. Um, but how mm-hmm. would you describe that? How How are they either one and the same? How do they mesh? What does that look like for you? Oh, I love that question. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the evangelical world. Um, I'm the daughter of a Southern Baptist pastor, grew up in the church, was homeschooled, you know, like the whole nine yards, purity culture, all the things. And my whole life growing up, there was this, um, and this is, this is going to resonate, I'm sure with so many people, like there's this theology that is passed around and ingrained in us that your body is something you can't trust. Your body is bad and your sexuality is something that is dirty almost. It's something that you really got to be on guard. I heard that those words all the time mm. on guard, right? Um, just because it's something that if you're not careful, it's going to take you away from God. Yeah. And I found actually the opposite to be true, that that God isn't afraid of our sexuality. And and, and I use the term God quite loosely now because I, you know, this is deconstruct pod, but I've yeah. gone through my own de- deconstruction and, and many you guys have and many of your your community has as well, too. And, you know, whether you still use the label God or you use the name source, spirit universe, whatever it is that is meaningful to you. I think we're kind of talking about similar things here. And, and I don't think that spirit or source God 
is afraid of our sexuality because there really isn't anything to fear, but there can be goodness and wholeness in the body. There is goodness and wholeness in the body. There is goodness and wholeness in sex. And it's not something that we have to push aside in shame. It's not something that we have to fear or run away from so that we disembody ourselves because we've cut off these parts of ourselves and pushed it away and we're living these fragmented lives, but that we can have real wholeness, that we can bring our full personhood yeah. into everything that we do. Well, I feel like that 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 uh, shame that you're talking about kind of transcends even even just the purity culture. Like the purity culture is pulled into it, but the shame culture for your own body starts when people start telling you you can't trust your own intuition. You can't trust mm-hmm. your own spirit. You can't trust you can't trust that your body knows best for you. And that's yeah. that that obviously bleeds over into purity culture. But like I feel like the purity culture still resonates even if you're not steeped in that. Yes. And and even if you like I like to use the terms church adjacent. So if you even if you didn't grow up in the church and you're church adjacent, meaning you've grown up in a culture or a country where church has had a lot of influence. So I'm thinking of like Western Europe, I'm thinking of like North America basically colonized parts of the world where yeah. the church had a lot of influence, right? Like in the United States, you, you still see your, see phrases like in God we trust and in Canada where I am like written on the parliament buildings, they say he will have dominion from sea to sea. And so it's things like that where it's like, you know, there's been this lack of separation of church and state. And so even if you don't, didn't grow up in the church, maybe people who are listening to this, they're like, well, I'm not from the church. Maybe this doesn't apply to me. Still a lot of these ideas these skewed ideas over the way that we view our bodies, way we view each other's bodies and have, you know, interact in our relationships through our sexuality, through even platonic intimacy amongst friends or just that intimacy we have with our own bodies. It, it's broken and fragmented because the shame has seeped into all aspects of our culture. So I, I really see that it doesn't matter who we are. We all have these broken relationships with our bodies. And how can we come back to that, heal it? Like you said, learn to trust our bodies, have safety in our bodies, and begin to listen to the way that our bodies speak to us through intuition, through all of these things, right? Yeah, I think that's a really cool, I don't know if I've heard that sort of language of church adjacent, which, um, I'll definitely be using now. Thank you very much. Mm, um, I love you're that. You're so welcome. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I have, I have friends who, who even grew up entirely without religion and they grew up here in the States. They're, you know, but their parents weren't religious, but they ha- were affected by, uh, yeah, disembodiment essentially. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think that's like helpful to have that language, um, to can't even speak with them and give them language to be like, yeah, I didn't go to church, but, but somehow I feel this same thing that a lot of these people talking about purity culture and these purity rings. I feel that too, even though I didn't go through that. So I think that's like mm-hmm. important language to have. Cause I even remember like when you were talking, when Adam, even when you were saying like, we we're taught to not like listen to our own intuition or trust ourselves, even like when it comes to like our, like our physical, physical body, I remember you know, I have two younger siblings and I remember when my youngest brother, um, he was really, really little and he was learning his body at like two years old. Um, Mm -hmm. and I remember just the conversations had, I don't think my parents did like a terrible job. I don't think they did a, a terrific job when it comes to, um, talking to him about, him touching himself, you know, little kids do that. Mm -hmm. And that's just, we've had had people, um, 
we, we'd ha- we've had sex therapists and people on the pod that have talked about how early even the almost like a disembodiment with um, mm-hmm. not being able to feel like you have ownership of your own body. And like, we're taught at yeah. two years old, like, Ooh, don't do that. That's yucky. Or like, whatever yeah. it is, like, don't touch that. Like whatever. Um, and I think mm-hmm. there's so much within sex education and also, um, the work that you do embodiment work. That's just so important for the religious and non-religious, uh, alike. And so, yeah, I really, yeah. I really love the the words that you are using. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad that resonates. And, you know, to your to your point, I think it's so key that you bring up, you know, even at a young age, people are infants, toddlers are, you know, touching themselves, exploring their bodies, learning body sovereignty from Mm -hmm. a young age. And it's that's something that we shut down and start to shame in young children. And, and it's so counterintuitive because, you know, I, I was trained as a birth doula. And so, you know, even infants in the womb masturbate, that mm. we've seen this on ultrasound, that it's, it's a self-soothing, co-regulating thing that they do. And, and infants in their first moments of life, they go and crawl towards the breast. And yes, this is a survival instinct because they know that there, there's something in them, um, you know, and on a, and a biological lover that knows that that's where they get their food, but it's more than just the food that nourishes them. They know that their survival, their livelihood depends on the connection and the intimacy that they have with their caregiver. Mm. And that begins with the body that begins in the body, that comfort that a little child looks for. It begins in the body. Right. And, and you're right. That disembodiment begins so early, like a brand new baby. What is the very first thing somebody does? The baby begins to cry because it's its only way of communicating. And what do we do? We go, shh, 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 shh. We teach it to silence. It's, it's speaking its voice. We teach this baby from the very beginning that its emotions are too much. Mm, wow. Don't cry too much. A happy baby. We want a happy baby. We want an easy baby. A good baby. You know, a good baby. Mm-hmm. Right. And we say, we say from the very day one, from the very first moments of a baby's life, they're like, Oh, baby was so good. We didn't even hear a peep from this baby. Mm. And it's like, no, no, Babies are supposed to have emotions, raw human emotions up and down. And it's the way that we process all the things that happen to us in our life. And we begin that disembodiment from our very first moment of life where we start to shut that down right from the beginning. And the truth is your body is good. Your sexuality is good. The connection that you have inherently to the divine is good. Your emotions are good. Intimacy with other humans is good good. And these are all things that we need to remember because they have been disembodied in us and we are losing our connection to the fullness of our humanity when we cut ourselves from these things that were innately meant to be in us from the beginning. Mm, So good. And so have you always been like this? (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what, like what, what was it that made you so passionate about uh, embodiment? Mm, yeah, I mean, um, so many things. Uh, the, I think the first thing that really clicked for me and made sense was, like I said, like I'm a birth doula. And when I had my experience of being pregnant and giving birth to my first child, that experience was very healing for me. My oldest is six and a half now, and my youngest is four and a half. And I've had the incredible privilege of, of holding space for so many birthing parents while they brought their children into the world. And it's just, 
oh, it's one of the most beautiful things ever on the planet. Like it's so messy and so raw and mm. so absolutely human. Like there's no, you, you can't, you can't bring your socialized self mm. to something like birth. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, like there's no nice and neat and polite and composed in birth. Like all of that socialization gets stripped out of us. And I think that there's these three moments that all of us are most human in life and that's birth, death, an orgasm. Wow. Like you yeah. yeah. Right? Yes. Like you can't, you can't try to compose yourself in any of those times. Your body right. just takes over and you're so innately primal and human. And it's such a beautiful thing. Even in death, there's something that's so stripped away and so poetic and beautiful and human in that. And, and we don't, we don't relate to these things anymore. Like we're so disconnected from all of these things. We want it to be sanitized and safe and clean because we don't trust the body. It doesn't feel safe to be in our bodies. Right. Mm. And so for me to reclaim that and feel fully embodied in my first birth, it was like, wow, this is life changing. And it was so countercultural to what I had been raised in. Like I said, in the church, in purity culture, being homeschooled, going to summer camp. You know, I remember even when I was, I, I was Miss Canada in 2012 and representing Canada at Miss World. Mm -hmm. And I chose to opt out of the swimwear competition. Um, and part of it was, you know, I, I had been working with women who were exploited and that was my platform and my message. And I was like, I don't right. want to muddle the two. Also, I think it's just completely unnecessary. Like, why are we, why are we, we, we having comparing women's bodies in this competition that right. like, it's, it just felt so unnecessary. So it's like, I'm not going to do it. Um, but I think at the same time, I, when I had this mental breakdown halfway through the competition, it was this five week competition in China. And like, wow. I had this mental breakdown where I was sobbing in my room and I was grappling with the tension and turmoil in my body when I was struggling to authentically be me, myself, who I am and accept all of me. Part of that being my sexuality and my body and being in just a bathing suit that had been so shamed due to youth group, purity culture, Bible summer camp, I had a physical and, and emotional breakdown because that's the, one of the ways that the body speaks to us. It says there's something not right here. Yeah. There's something in alignment here. And I've been holding on to this trauma and I can't hold on. I can't shove it down and silence it any longer. And so the, the body, it bursts out of the body because the body is a truth teller. Yeah. And we read that as, oh, she's having a mental breakdown. But the body is saying, no, I have to, I need freedom. Right? right. Well, like, how do you start drawing that line between between what is your body responding to trauma and what is your body saying what it needs? And that's like, yeah. I feel like that's where work like what you're doing is so important because you're giving people yes. you're giving people verbiage and tools to be able to say, hey, this is this is me, the mind. This is me, the 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 spiritually trained or mm -hmm. at least culturally spiritually trained person trying to discern what my body's actually telling me but here's what my mm -hmm. body is actually telling me and these are the mm -hmm. things that I need to be listening to and these are the things that I that I need to be stripping away from the things yes. that, that I believe of myself yes absolutely because truth feels like something in the body right yeah. and my bo my body knows in its gut my body knows in we say you know it's like your gut intuition like your body knows in this deepest part of you 
when something is good for you mm. and your body at the same time knows when something's off. Like if I'm, for example, if I'm in conflict with my partner or with a friend or something, my, my body feels this inner twisting and turmoil. Like you guys are married, you know, you know how it is, right? Mm -hmm. When you guys are like off with each other, you're like, mm -hmm. oh, you feel it in your body, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's the same thing when, when I am in a space where I'm trying to be fed toxic theology, when something is happening um, in an environment that shouldn't be, if there's manipulation or exploitation or a power dynamic, that's that's unhealthy in a relationship of any kind this can be you know in any format from like we can talk about like big global power dynamics and injustice in the way that we interact with one another which often begins with the body mm. to interpersonal relationships like we can feel our bodies can feel yeah. that turmoil and that tension and this is why we say kids are always so intuitive like kids pick up on everything it's because we haven't socialized that that relationship with their body out of them yet. Right. But as adults, we gaslight ourselves because we've been taught the social rules and the social rules of the world that we live in doesn't make space for the body because we prioritize the intellect and the mind. We say things like mind over matter. And so we silence the body. Mm. It just always makes me think of whenever we ever bring up like kids having it right or knowing it right or whatever it is, it just always makes me think of what did, what did Jesus say? Like, let the little yeah. children come to me or like be like a, a uh -huh. faith like a child, anything like that. Like, it always just makes me makes me go there. I don't necessarily identify as Christian anymore and I don't mm -hmm. feel the need to always uh, bring things back to the Bible. But that's my home base as far as knowledge goes. So whenever I hear things, it just makes me – it kind of helps. It's healing to hear something yeah. like this and – be reminded of parts of the Bible or of my upbringing that, Oh, that, that mm. little truth was good. There was goodness there. There's yeah. something to hold on to. There's parts that I can take and parts that I can leave behind. hundred um, percent. And yeah, I, is that how I'm curious for you, like in your deconstruction and everything that you did, like where do you land with Christianity or the Bible's mm. teachings? Like where, where are you at currently? Yeah, I mean, it's always evolving. I've, I've deconstructed. Um, I've had two major periods of deconstruction. That's kind of the label we're calling it these days, right? right. Yeah, so yeah. I deconstructing, evolving faith, questioning, it's all of those things, right? And I've had two major periods of my life where I've done that. And I've walked away from the label of Christianity at different points for many years. I've, I came back, I, you know, I'm like, I'm in a complicated relationship with the church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and for me, I just, I think part of it is being, um, biracial first generation uh canadian woman asian canadian woman and you know growing up in bipoc communities um also being queer um and you know just the lens in which i view the world as an enneagram eight i'm very you know social justice related and so that's yeah. kicked off a lot of my deconstruction periods where i've looked at it and i've been like I like Jesus because Jesus was radical and Jesus was for the people and of the people. And Jesus is like, like you, I see so many parallels even to what we're dealing with today to what G, you know, Jesus lived out and embodied. Like Jesus was an indigenous man who lived under colonization by an occupied 
foreign um, empire that came and colonized his indigenous native lands. Mm. And then he, he went and was like, hey, guys, like power structures and hierarchy sucked. And he flipped tables when people were being exploited and taken advantage of and cared for the vulnerable and welcomed in those who the religious hierarchy had excluded. And then the government was like, hey, this is incredibly radical and this is threatening the status quo. So we're going to assassinate him essentially right. in state sanctioned violence right like he was killed at, at the hands of like modern day police forces so yeah. i'm looking at this and i'm like yeah okay brown man killed by police because it was being too radical i'm like this literally the literally the parallels right now you know and and it's so heartbreaking to me to see that that this this beautiful figure who had such wonderful teachings of generosity and compassion and inclusion, who well, the religious people would come to him and be like, the rules, legalism, fundamentalism. And he'd be like, dude, if the rules are hurting the people, then they're not worth following. Throw mm -hmm. it out, throw it out, throw it every single time, right? Yeah. And, and just this beautiful teachings has been twisted and turned into this dogma that has been weaponized against so many of us, our very bodies, and oftentimes the marginalized communities that it was, you know, the Bible was written by brown people under oppression to brown, you know, racialized people under oppression. And so it's so frustrating that it's now become this tool of white supremacy, of yeah. fundamentalism, of isolation, where we're pushing people aside and saying, no, you're dirty, you're not worthy, you need to change in order to be accepted mm -hmm. by God, when I don't see that embodied by the central figure of Christianity. And I think that it where Christianity, as we know it today, went wrong was, you know, back with em em Emperor Constantine in 300 yeah. AD, when it became colonized, like Christianity yeah. became colonized, and yep. is still colonized and, and was used as a tool of colonization today. And and it has devastating effects. I mean, right now in my country and across the United States, we are grappling with the effects of residential schools, mm -hmm. right? And that was done at the hands of the church. Yeah, It was done in the name of Jesus, who again was an indigenous man. And it, and, uh, it just, it's, it's heartbreaking and infuriating to me that something that was meant to be, I think, liberating to people, right. especially people in, in, BIPOC bodies and marginalized bodies and LGBTQ plus bodies, people who are immigrants, people who are single mothers, people, everyone who was on the fringes of society that they were welcomed in. And there was a place of belonging for the misfits, mm -hmm. you know, all of us who feel like we don't have a place to belong and who are counter normative. It, it then became this tool of oppression and it has had devastating effects. And so that's a long-winded response for my current faith likes Jesus mm. and the teaching of Jesus, <laughs> yeah. but has a lot of harsh words and accountability to, to, to hold the church and modern-day Christianity to because I kind of feel like there's now is the time for Old Testament prophets to be like, y'all have fucked up. I swear. <laughs> y'all have fucked up and you've gone astray and you need to come back to where you're supposed to be because you've lost the whole point. Yeah. And that's basically how I feel about modern-day Christianity. Yeah. Well, I, I very much resonate with that. Um, and so I appreciate you you taking us down that path just because like that's something that I feel very deeply um mm -hmm. whenever you're talking about like the residential schools too and like in the name of Jesus and like that's just like <sighs> it's so heartbreaking my my grandfather um my grandpa he went he was at residential school and 
Um, mm. He he passed a couple of years ago, and he used to say all the time, like those Methodists, they have a method, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Although mm-hmm. he, he was he was mistaken. He he was actually brought to a Catholic <laughs> um, residential mm. school, but whatever, it doesn't really matter. Um, it it the point remains, um, and the point stands. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I I definitely can um, can understand and resonate uh, with what you're saying. And I know you 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 do talk a lot about decolonization, um, and yeah. like on your Instagram and then your work that you would do and coaching. I'm sure. Um, which mm-hmm. I, I mean, I absolutely love. Um, and mm-hmm. in our our little group chat that we have going on about our trip, <laughs> you uh, you mentioned that you are you're Asian, but you come from an indigenous family. Um, was that something like were your parents indigenous? How do you or how do you know what you know? I mean, besides people just should be educating themselves. Um, why is it that right. you're passionate about decolonization? Yeah, everyone should be, uh, from my perspective, um, everyone should be educating themselves on what colonization is, what it means, the impacts of it, and then working to decolonize our own minds and lives, our politics, our relationships, our giving, because we're all influenced by it. If you live in a country that has been colonized, I mean, yeah, we've all been impacted. Like, I live on stolen land that is fact that is not revisionist history that is undisputable undeniable fact this is unceded land that I live on um, and it's important for us to acknowledge that so for me um, I'm not indigenous but my children are indigenous okay. um, so their dad is is indigenous and we've been adopted I've been adopted into the community mm-hmm. um, through ceremonies and you know I have the the ability the honor um, the privilege of you know being part of this community and sitting at the table and and learning the teachings and learning some of the cultural practices and also being you know it's been very drawn out to me very clearly um you know that you know my place is a little bit different even though yes i am an indigenous the mother of an indigenous of indigenous children i'm not an indigenous mother but my children are indigenous and there's this kind of knowledge keeper role that when they are teaching me knowledge cultural knowledge and spiritual teachings and practices and protocols to pass on to my children as they are you know reconnecting indigenous um that there's also a protection that's there too. Yeah. There is an, a, a responsibility to steward that well mm-hmm. and, and to be careful with those teachings, you know, and I, 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 I take that with, you know, high level of stewardship because I think that's really, really important. And, you know, some of the things that it doesn't matter whether you're indigenous or whether you are a settler, whether you're, you're trying to be anti-racist or whether you're, you're trying to be a good ally. I think it, it really comes down to how do we return to right relationship? And this is a lot of the work that I do in my coaching as well through embodiment. Everything I think is how do we return to right relationship and, and decolonization is that decolonization is just a fancy word of how do we return to right relationship? Because Mm -hmm. there was something that was broken in our relationships with each other through colonization, because colonization introduced this hierarchy of power where we said some people's bodies are more human, Mm. white people's bodies are more human, and they get to benefit from higher proximity to power, and then everybody else moves farther down the line, right? Depending on who you are in the intersections that you live in. And Mm. so it's dismantling that because that broke our relationships that we are inherently supposed to have with one another. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and th- that hierarchy breeds these these power imbalances that creates the environment for for exploitation, for oppression, for vulnerability to be exploited amongst us. Right. And and through the work that I've done, you know, working in in different justice spaces for over a decade and, and doing this embodiment work and just my own lived experience in my body as, as somebody who has BIPOC heritage and somebody who has been working through embodied um, solidarity with different indigenous communities and other marginalized communities in the world. You know, it's, it's this coming back to what was lost, what was broken between us and yeah. every single injustice in the world begins with the body. Yeah. yeah. Racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, fatphobia. It it looks at us as other because of the bodies that we live in rather than looking at the beautiful vast mosaic that is humanity and celebrating the uniqueness in the expression of the fullness of our personhood. Yeah. It's saying these people are more worthy. These people are less. These people are more human. These people get privileges. We trust these people. We don't trust these people. Mm-hmm. And it's this binary of good versus bad, right? right? And it, it seeps into our, our biases quite quickly because of the structure of of this hierarchy that has become the culture that we live in, right? Oh, it's, it's so much. And it doesn't matter who we are. We all battle with it at some point. So how do we start to unlearn those things? That's what decolonization is, is how do we unlearn these things that are unhealthy and broken and untrue so we can return to right relationship with one another. And how do you do that when the world is still broken? Like, yeah, shifting yeah. shifting self identity is I I at just just from a deconstructing space just from a spiritual mm. space trying to trying to live into this place where Jesus is loving and Jesus is or the world is amazing and our bodies are true and and we are all perfect and we are all amazing like living mm-hmm. in that while the world still predominantly says that that's not true is a challenge I can't imagine when, you're, when you're seeing. When you're seeing people that look like you that are being mm-hmm. marginalized while you're telling, yeah. you're trying to tell yourself, I am worthy, I am equal, I am safe. Yeah. I am safe. Like yes. how, how do you begin? Like how do you even begin working your way into it's a place hard, where you, yeah. can, you, can, you can live into your own power and what you deserve, even though the world yes. isn't necessarily displaying that? Hey everyone, want to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode and rate and review the podcast as it helps others find this online community. Thanks so much. Now back to the episode. Absolutely. And I mean, we none of us even need examples because look at what the last year and a half has looked like right. for us in North America here, right? Like I do benefit from being biracial. And so there's a certain privilege that comes with being biracial. Yeah. I look racially ambiguous. Um, but seeing people like the amount, the rise in anti-Asian hate crimes is traumatic, right? We see that and we fear that. And you, when you're you're seeing things like, Oh, 
bless his soul, George Floyd and everything yeah, no. that has happened in the last year and a half to, to terrorize people who live in black bodies. Like this is real. This is real. We feel this. We don't yeah. feel safe in our bodies because the world is hostile to people who live in bodies like ours. And we feel that that body based oppression is real. And it comes from this hierarchy and it comes from these ideas of colonization that have created this binary of these bodies are good and mm-hmm. these bodies are bad. Yeah. Right. And so as a general rule, and, and this is something that is maybe going to be helpful for people listening to this conversation is how can we try to break out of that idea of binary of this is good and this is bad and this is right and this is wrong. And this is one way it's it's left or it's right. It's this or it's that it's us versus them. Right. Because that's where that othering begins. Mm. It And and I think this is why I love people who are, are non-binary, who invite us into a deeper conversation and a deeper understanding of maybe. Maybe what does gender expression look like? Right. And what does it look like to be human when people who are inviting us into that deepening conversation because of their just mere existence of, hey, I'm non-binary. And you're like, oh, that's an option. It doesn't mm. have to be one versus the other. All of a sudden now the world opens up. Right. Mm. right. Right. All of a sudden there's so much more. And that's how it's supposed to be, I think. I don't think the world is supposed to be black and white. Yeah. And I mean, even if we were to go back, because most of us listening to this podcast and in this community are deconstructing our faith in some way and somewhere along that journey. You know, if we go back again to, to Jesus and what he embodied, he was doing that all the time. Like the religious right. people were always coming to him being like, this is what the rule says. And he's like, let's try another way. Right. <laughs> right. Like continuously, like, no, you guys are missing the point. You're stuck on these like two points. And it's actually not two points. Yeah. It's the third way. Yeah. There's another option. Can we open up the conversation? Can we widen it? Can we deepen it? Yeah. There's so much more. And we miss it when we have this like tiny view of the world that there's only two options when maybe there's actually so much more. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, again wasn't it jesus who said there there's nor male nor female jew or gentile was that jesus who said that yeah yeah it's just like we that is so progressive like it is i Mm -hmm. mean like today if like some Mm -hmm. spiritual leader said that that would be like oh my gosh like wow that's i mean we would love that but even like thousands thousands of years ago like that was said and we just like so many people who are more on the fundamentalist side of things, like just, they're just going to repass that. Like they're just like, well, I think, <laughs> I think the like primary thing attention. is like the conversation we were even having today yeah. about when we, uh, not we as in like us, but like as, as Christians that we were at the, at the time when we are mm. stripped of a set of rules, we're constantly wanting to replace it with another set of right. rules. We have this some, yes. something as humans inside of us that wants to, that wants to latch onto something that is definite, that is that has edges mm-hmm. and rules and boxes that things go in. And mm-hmm. for, for something like the message of, of Jesus to say freedom, freedom is the rule. There is no rules is the rule. Yeah. The, the yeah. rules are done. They don't work clearly. So let's stop doing that. And let's live into our freedom. I, I, think, mm-hmm. I think that's a primary problem with why even, even as much as we've progressed, we're constantly looking for some other mm-hmm. rule to to follow and to and to subject other people to. Well, one of the things, yeah. one of the things that I've recently been he- talking about or I've been hearing about are like, you know, um I actually was listening to a podcast about atomic habits or whatever I whoever mm-hmm. was that author? James Clear. Yeah. And he was talking about 
we all like every day, like we have habits, like we, yes. we all do. Um, and he was talking about like breaking a bad habit, for example, like some, like for some things, like you truly need a replacement. Like you can't just be like, mm. I'm not going to do this anymore, or I'm not gonna, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the case, whatever the example is, he was like saying you need to replace it with something. And, you know, since the conversations we've been having so much lately revolve around like, okay, after deconstruction, then what, like, or as you're, I'm going through deconstruction, mm-hmm. what do I gr- like grab onto? And even for me, that's something that I did. Like I was deconstructing and, um, although now today I still do love astrology and I still love talking about like personal, um, like the, the little tests and quizzes, like Enneagram and things like that. Like I do, yeah. I do love all of that, but there was a season when I was first deconstructing that I took like all these like religion quizzes, like, okay, now what do I think now? What religion mm. do I belong in now? What community group do I belong in and wh- what church should I be looking for now? Which there's this, there's a time and place for that. Right. Like for me, mm-hmm. there was a time and place for me to want to replace this feeling like I had, um, an, an, an identity. Like I, yes. I couldn't just be, Hey, I'm a Christian anymore. So now I'm like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. a progressive Christian. Okay. Now I'm a, like this religion. And I kind of played with different like religions, trying them on, which I totally encourage people to do. Um, but then now there's a space of being like, okay, I did that for a while. I had some, I'd replaced the things I replaced some of those habits I replaced some of those like mental habits or spiritual mm-hmm. habits. And now I'm able to live a lot more freely and know mm-hmm. that my intuition and my body and my, cause it's something that I'm really passionate about too, but I'm, but my, yeah. my body truly is going to know what's best. And that's at the yeah. end of the day, what I'm looking to, I'm looking yes. to inwards towards my own inner divination, um, or Mm -hmm. my guidance within and, um, yeah, just like listening to my body and just, um, talking to Adam about stretching today that I just need to start stretching again. And in front of people, I got so embarrassed after Mm. not dancing anymore. I would get embarrassed Mm -hmm. whenever I would just stretch in public and people would gawk (laughs) yeah Um, and now I'm now I'm all tight and I'm not flexible like I used to be and I don't like that I don't feel good and I want to I start embracing that and listening to my body when it says hey stretch your back whoever's gonna look is gonna look it like because you got in your head you got in your head instead of being in your body exactly Mm -hmm. and so I'm curious for you like I know you've gone through purity culture and I know that's been a part of your your life experience how did you personally come back to your body yeah oh I love that um I think okay so there's a couple things like I said one of the things that really sparked um my journey back to myself to my body to feeling safe and good and strong in my body to feeling capable in my body pleasurable in my body it's it started with my journey into motherhood right it started through yeah, through right. this um reawakening this rebirth that i i have been a new person since i birthed my children i am i birthed myself in a new way as yeah. that, through that experience as well and i think that's so beautiful you know like ancient judeo christian beliefs say that that life is a cycle of birth and death and birth and death and birth and death. And when that ends, then your, then your life is done. Then you're, you're dead. But until then you're constantly in this birth and death cycle. We look out and we see that mirrored in nature, this birth death cycle through the changing of the seasons, through the seasons in ourselves. When, when we want to break through to a new 
new chapter of our life, there's a letting go of where we've been, yeah. right? We, I, I use this example with, within my coaching all the time is, you know, you look at the way that snakes shed their skin. They have to let go of these things that are too small for them now. Yeah. You look at the way a, a snail needs a bigger, bigger space. Now you need to take up more space because the small place that you've been living in, while it served you for that season and that time, and we never want to look back on, a, on that in judgment, that kept us safe. That was what we needed at that time but now we're ready for more so how mm. do we break through that so that we're in a place where we're ready for more and i found that through my my studies of somatic um somatic experiencing as a somatic practitioner you know i'm, I'm part of the institute for somatic sex education which mm. is amazing yeah. um but like that understanding through those studies the the blend of biophysiology neuroscience um the way our, our body stores and experiences trauma, the way that our, what happens in our body when we experience an emotion at a, on a biophysiological, physiological level, understanding essentially what I'm trying to say is understand, understanding the way our bodies function and live and exist in the world. When I started to understand that and know what was happening and then to be able to track and notice what was, what emotions were rising in my body, what I was experiencing my body, body through different times, I could go, oh, this is what's happening now. So this is what's happening when I'm in this stage of my life. Mm. And, and these are maybe limiting beliefs that I have held on to through purity culture, for example. And it's maybe seeped up into the way that I view my body. It's seeped into the way that I view my relationships with other people, whether that be platonic. Like, for example, um, there's this idea in purity culture that men and women can't be friends because you're just going to it's always going to accumulate in sex. So just don't be friends with people that you could potentially be attracted to because you're you're right. just going to end up in bed, right? Like we can't have ethics. So just don't even go there, right? Right. Um, security culture is notoriously terrible at not teaching sexual ethics. Right. And so like, that's one example, or, or maybe, you know, we, we, we just, we run from these things, right? And so there's these limiting beliefs that I have listened, have, my body has listened to because our bodies listen to absolutely everything are the if you're if you're in the, com the deconstruction community and you're listening to this podcast right now it's not just your ears like your whole body your whole personhood is listening and absorbing the things that we're talking about right now yeah. when you when you hear a conversation maybe somebody made a comment to somebody else like oh she doesn't look good in that maybe she shouldn't be wearing that crop top don't you think she's a little too old for that crop top or mm. something like that now now your body goes oh maybe i shouldn't be wearing right. that crop top right. right and so we pick up these messages from everywhere literally everywhere and our body responds to them and begins to internalize them and they shape the worldview that we live in and until we do what i call embodied questioning for truth and i, I take my clients through this this diff these different steps where we go okay let's explore that and let's while we look at this let's never look at it with judgment let's only look at it with curiosity like mm. huh where did that idea come from what does that make my, what do I feel in my body when I hear that? Where, where did I pick that up? Oh, interesting. Okay. And most of the time we pick up these ideas because we're, tr our bodies are trying to protect us because yeah. our bodies are brilliant at doing that. So for example, to go back to our other example of the crop top, we, we see like one person shaming and judging someone else because of what they're wearing. And then we don't want to be that person who right. is shamed next time we wear a crop top. So our body goes, Oh, nope, that's not safe. Yep. 
I'm not going to do that now. And yeah. our, we shift as a result to protect ourselves, right? Yeah, totally. So we have all of these things that we're carrying around every single day. And we have to sit down and take the time to look at it and go, oh, where does this belief come from? And then is this belief even true? Mm. Yeah. It's and if it's not, then we have to go through this, this exercise of, okay, how can we let that go? And understanding how our bodies function, then we understand our bodies need to now process this, move through it. This is where embodied movement and somatic experiencing is mm. so helpful. Yeah. And we can go through these, like, for lack of a better word, like rituals and ceremonies, because our bodies like to mark things. That's how they understand by moving through the motions. And it's almost like, Okay, we're going to we're going to do a funeral kind of to this idea to say goodbye to it so we can release it, process it and let it go and no longer carry that baggage with us day after day, year after year where we feel like I work I work with so many clients who are like I'm stuck in this purity culture mindset and I can't get out of it and I've been yeah. to therapy and I've been to this and I've been to that. It's like, "Oh, because your mind might be out of it and you may logically be like, I know that this is bullshit or I know that there's something in this that doesn't feel right or and maybe it's not even purity culture, maybe it's literally anything. I just feel like this is wrong, but I can't get my body out of this cycle." Yeah. Right. Cuz you still will make decisions based off of those those notions that you that will yes. keep you safe. Because your body is still there because that's where your body felt safe in an effort to protect itself from that deeper shame, which is really that fear of isolation, yeah. right? Because like, I was even thinking about this when you were talking about le leaving evangelicalism and you were like, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this spirituality. I'm going to try this looking at Enneagram quizzes and all these different things. And what I hear you saying you're really searching for is where's my people? Where's my right. community? Where's my home? Where am I going to be loved, seen, fully known, fully embraced for who you are yeah. so that you can live out the fullness of your humanity, yes. right? Yes. And if we go to our, our very, the early part of our conversation, what's the very first thing that a newborn baby is looking for? That same thing. Like mm -hmm. who can I connect with? Because I know my survival is dependent on intimacy with other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. Exactly. And our and that's how our bodies are wired. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we talked about like in the beginning, maybe a couple of months ago now, where I felt like mm -hmm. I finally was starting to like rest and not so much look for that like tangible community group anymore. Like I didn't need to be be a part of some specific kind of like small group for lack of better words. Yeah. I didn't yep. need that because I honestly started because we were on tour for years and we didn't have like a true like true friends. Honestly, we didn't have like a group of mm. people that like knew us and loved us and supported us because mm. um, people were in and out of our lives so much. And so after a couple years now of being in Nashville, th th just this past year, six months even, I feel like Adam and I have really started making really amazing friendships and we feel oh, loved yay. and we feel seen. And I was like, we were talking that I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't need religion anymore. <laughs> like I don't, right. and for me personally, I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't need a church anymore. I don't need a small group anymore because I realized for me, I mean, everybody's different, but like for me, what I was truly looking for, like you said, was that the comfort that, Oh my gosh, somebody's going to catch me when I fall or, yes. you know, I, I'm dealing with some some physical things going on in my life and I reached out mm. to these friends, these new friends I had and I was like, "Hey, if, you know, my one of my family members can't come to this appointment, can any of you guys come?" And they're like, 
yes, like immediately so quick. And it was just like, mm. that was such a restorative moment for me, knowing that I had people who were going to be there. And in that moment, I was like, oh, this is all I've ever wanted. Like this is all I've ever yeah. needed is just ha- to have a, just a handful, just a handful of people yep. who I know yep. are just going to be there for me. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I feel like that all just keeps connecting back to like that safety and that comfort and knowing that like you're, mm-hmm. you're safe. Um, which is yes. something that's been like really, really important to me. And I, I love that your work that you do and on your Instagram, you are always doing like your, um, like dancing or moving or stretching mm-hmm. and like you're in your body, which is so like, I, I personally love seeing that it's some so good for me to keep seeing that in my feed um, mm. because I'm an Enneagram five. So as okay. I move past a lot of things quite quickly because my brain and like m- me and my head have a great relationship. Like I, I'm totally <laughs> yes. good. I can be in my head all day, every day for like ever. And I'm, I'm so good to go, but there's oftentimes I forget that my, like you were saying, like my body needs to know that too. Like my body needs to know that I'm safe and happy and free and, you know, all these different emotions. And when I'm, when I'm coming across, across your page and it's you moving like, Oh, that looks so, it looks like whenever you Mm. see somebody like eating food, that's like so delicious. And all of a sudden you like crave that food. I'm like, Oh, I want to move my hips and I want to throw my hair around. I'm like, yeah. So I love that you post that. So continue to do so because it's very inspiring. I'm sure to more than, I'm so glad more, more than just to me. Um, I'm so glad I know that like that's something that's probably vulnerable um, especially when you first started doing it but it's something that I think is very impactful to see someone living out there just truly truly just being in their body yeah yeah it was vulnerable in the beginning like I I've had to do my own deconstruction work and I'm learning on on all of this as well too and and yet I hope that it is an invitation and I hope that it it brings people into a desire of wanting maybe something more. Like we said, this, like, can we deepen the conversation? Can we widen it? Can we make more space at the table? Can we have a more full and vibrant place for us to express the fullness of our humanity and our personhood? And that's really what I think we're doing here. What we're trying, what I'm trying to invite people into is, is that we don't have to just live it up in our heads. It's logic is beautiful. Consciousness is beautiful. And like, let's intellectualize these things. And, and I love questions. And I'm a, a huge nerd who loves to research all the things like I will go down every rabbit hole and, and learn every useless fact about every single thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big nerd. I love it. But honestly, when I think about the most wonderful, like most cherished memories that I hold, they're usually the moments when I'm forgetting about all of those things and I'm just living present in the moment. Yeah. I'm living in my body. And we need to be able to do that and come back to that if we want pleasure. Yeah. If you want pleasure, if you want to experience an orgasmic life in all areas, Mm -hmm. then you need to be able to be in your body and open yourself up to that. And yes, you will experience more pleasure because you've opened yourself up to it. You'll also experience more sadness and more pain because you've learned how to feel these things. But at the same time, you've learned that you don't have to fear those emotions and they don't have to be bad emotions. Mm-hmm. They can just be part of the fullness of your humanity mm-hmm. and you can have space, more space for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Your emotions are like that little baby. It's not a good baby or a bad baby just because yes. it emotes. 
I, I yeah. think I, I always I love just having something to tie us back to like the beginning of our conversations. And that just really does like that is it's not good or bad. It just is. And like living with that and knowing that like you don't have to fear it and fear yourself or your emotions or your body. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. just so, so important. And I, I know our listeners, like I know this episode is going to be one of their faves because they mm. love practical things. We always hear back that like they like the practical, like, well, how do I, what do I do Good. next? So I know people are really yeah. going to love it. So how, but this is your little moment to plug yourself. Um, <laughs> so besides your one-on-one, so you do the one-on-one coaching. Um, yes. How else can people get a hold of you or learn mm. from you? How, how can they find you? Yeah. So um, I am going to be resuming in-person events and retreats and women's circles on a monthly basis. Um, so if anybody is in on the West Coast of Canada, um, specifically the Vancouver Island or Vancouver area, um, those events are going to be happening in person. But I'm also going to be continuing the um, online uh, events that I've been hosting throughout the last year and a half because that's the only options we've been having. <laughs> yeah. So um <laughs> I do things like women's circles online and um, embodied movement meditation classes that I started offering. And some of those are everyone welcome. Some of those are, are women identified only women and femmes and others are just for all humans. Um, and it's a really beautiful opportunity for you to sit in community with other people who are on a similar place in, in their journeys and similar place in their life and to come back, have designated time that you've set aside that, okay, I'm going to take some time in the safety of my own home. And yes, I'm going to be on Zoom. Maybe I'll have my camera on. Maybe I'll have it off. But I'm going to take some time to still be connected with other humans and be in my body. Yeah. And we we go through some embodiment exercises. We do some breathing together. Then we put some music on and we move and we dance. And sometimes we have themes. Like sometimes we've had circles where we've held space for grief because our culture is not great for dealing with grief, for example. Or maybe we have one where we are going to throw on our rage music and we are going (laughs) to process the anger in our bodies. Or maybe we're going to access our sensuality and we're going to get back into feeling in all of the senses and and accessing our sensuality. We're going to move our hips. We're going to feel our skin under our fingertips. We're going to turn ourselves on and access that juicy erotic energy that for too long, too many of us have shut down. Right. So we have these opportunities in a safe, held space for us to to be fully human, quite honestly, through embodied movement meditation. And so I offer that online to people anywhere in the world. You can join my mailing list or you can follow me on Instagram if you want to know when those things are, are available to you. And then the other really big, exciting thing that I'm working on is I just signed my first book deal. Oh, so, Amazing. Yeah. Wow. So Congratulations. Excited. Thank you. It's been a long time coming. These things have just been, you know, in me for so long. And um, I just I love my publishing house that I've signed with. And I'm so excited to offer a book on basically all the things we've spent the last hour talking about on embodiment and, and justice and reclaiming that right relationship within ourselves with with each other, with the earth and with spirit, with source, with God, so that we can come back to healing and thriving and wholeness. So that will be on bookshelves and online everywhere in 2023. And I'm so excited. So if people want to follow the journey, come do that. That is so great. Amazing. Do (sighs) Do you have a title yet or no? 
Yeah, so the working title, and this this could change, okay. so I, I, I caution, I let everybody know that, but the working <laughs> title right now is Your Body is a Revolution, How to Reclaim Your True Self from Patriarchy, Colonization, and White Supremacy. Yes. Love it. Yeah. I love that. Bam. That says everything right? that I, I would, would want to pick up. Is, <laughs> right? Because your body is when you are showing up in the fullness of your humanity. That is revolutionary. And yes. that is a resistance yeah. to the status quo and the power forces of the world like patriarchy, colonization, and white supremacy. Our existence and our thriving in that, yeah. it makes the whole thing shake. And yep. it's so powerful and it's so beautiful. And I just want to invite people to know that everything that they need is already in their bodies. Incredible. Pretty it. I love that so much. I can't wait. I'm definitely going to be watching the whole thing unfold, you know, and yes, very, uh, I'll try to be patient and wait. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see all the sneak peeks and everything. So we'll definitely be looking out for that. And uh, everyone who's listening, um, definitely check out Tara and her her Instagram so you can know like anything that's going on with the book or her um, coaching, uh, learning more about her and her work. Um, I will link all of her links in the description of the episode as always. Um, And we thank you guys so much for listening. We love you. And until next time, bye. Bye.